The following message was given by Robert Green on Sunday, June 9th at Redemption Hill Church. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.redemptionhill.com. As you get settled, why don't you go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Psalms. In particular, Psalm 23. We are going to spend the summer in the book of Psalms this year, and it's it's our intention as God's people this summer to worship the Lord together through the variety of songs that are in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms was compiled over the course of about a thousand years, with the first one being written, Psalm 90, by Moses after the Lord had delivered his people out of slavery in the wilderness. With the latest Psalm, Psalm 126, most scholars think written by Ezra, after the Babylonian exile. So over a thousand years by different authors in different places and different circumstances in life, these songs of praise, these songs of sorrow, these songs of lament, these songs of thanksgiving, these songs of instruction and wisdom, these songs of trust, these songs written by God's people living in a fallen world before the face of God where they're a hymn book of worship. And so this summer, we want to spend our time as God's people learning to worship Him through the variety of expressions that are in the book of Psalms. And so there are going to be times this summer where we may follow the pattern of the particular song. We may actually take a few minutes to teach on a verse, stop, sit in silence or sing, and then come back to it again because that's how it would have been done thousands of years ago. There may be times, depending upon the actual song or psalm that we're looking at, that we might recite it or go back and forth with each other antiphonally, the way they would have done. One group over here and one group over here going back and forth the way it would have been read or sung thousands of years ago. We're going to explore the variety of expressions of songs in this book this summer, so I hope that you enjoy it, and we're going to take the hardest task first, and that's Psalm 23. It's hard because it's familiar. There probably aren't very many people in here who aren't familiar with Psalm 23, which means for a lot of people, it has partic- a particular place in your heart. You think and feel certain things when you hear certain parts of this psalm, and that's amazing. God's Word has the capacity for that. Yes and amen to all of it. But what we're going to need this morning, and we'll pray in just a moment, is that God maybe blow the dust of familiarity off our hearts as we come anew to this song together. So one thing we're going to do, regardless of the type and the style of psalm, is that we are going to read the song together every week. So this morning, the way it would have been done for thousands of years, let's all stand together if you've got your Bibles open. And we're not going to do Psalm 23 responsively. I'm going to read it, but I want you to hear it and follow along as I do. Psalm 23. It's a song of David, and it It goes like this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray before you're seated. Father, we thank you again for the rich privilege we have of coming together, and we ask this morning for that miraculous work that only you can do, and then you would open up the ears of our hearts to hear your voice this morning. Lord, open up the eyes of our hearts that we might see your glory in the person of your Son through this song, that we might enjoy him more deeply, that our lives might reflect a certain rare jewel of contentment in him to a watching world. Lord, it takes a miracle of your work for that to be a reality. So we ask in Jesus' name that you would do that very thing for his glory and our joy. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. We know this about David who wrote this song. Before he was a king in Israel, he was the shepherd of his father's flocks. David knew what it was to be a shepherd. He knew the life of a shepherd. The life of a shepherd was very different than the one you and I might imagine in our mind. It wasn't a a grassy hillside like you see out in Goochland somewhere with David under a tree eating fruit, strumming on a guitar or a lyre or a harp. A cute little sheep wandered around him. That's the way all of our picture Bibles, and if you grew up in church, all the flannel boards pictured David for most of our life. But David was a shepherd in the Judean wilderness. It was a very hard life. It was a life full of massive responsibility. A lot of decisions had to be made. A lot of skill was necessary for a shepherd to be successful. They had to be able to guide a flock and manage a flock and lead a flock. They had to be protector, guide, leader, doctor, nursemaid. They had to have skill in all aspects of life for that flock. It wasn't a life of ease, sitting back, eating fruit, and relaxing. There took a certain tenacity and even a certain physical strength for a shepherd to be successful. You might remember in the story of David getting ready to fight Goliath, they said that David was ready in particular because he wasn't just skilled with a sling, but he was strong with his hands because he had already had to face lions and bears as a shepherd. The life of a shepherd was a very difficult and hard life, and David knew it well. And because David knew what it was to be a shepherd of his father's flocks, David intimately knew what it was like to deal with sheep Sheep are particularly stupid. I don't know another way to explain it. Of all the flock animals, they're probably the densest. Sheep get themselves into all manner of situations and and circumstances that the majority of other animals can keep themselves out of. And sheep, unlike many other animals, they're utterly vulnerable and defenseless. They don't have a camouflage naturally that hides them in their surroundings. They're not like porcupines. They don't have barbs they can shoot out at predators. They don't have fangs. They don't have claws. They're ignorant and they're defenseless, which means they're vulnerable and dependent. So when David sat down to write a song that reflected the trustworthiness of the God that he loved, he took the most comprehensive that his, God's people knew of that time of who God was, the picture of a shepherd, And David put himself in the position of a sheep because he knew what it was to be a sheep. And he penned this song, the song of a committed shepherd, the song of a trustworthy shepherd. And David began it like this, the Lord, he is my shepherd. That's a massive statement. 
And I stop on that one because that statement shapes the rest of the psalm. Everything else that David is going to say in this song, all the things that are precious to our hearts if we're familiar with it, everything that he's about to sing is 100% contingent on this phrase. This is the lyrical hook that will go through the entire song. Often when God's people would read this song together or read it in their homes, they'll repeat this phrase at the beginning of each line. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And then they'll go to the next line. So if we're going to understand the layers of what David is singing about, we've got to understand this phrase that he starts it with. David says, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Now remember, David had a Bible, a Bible of his day. He had the writings of Moses. He had the early history of Israel. He knew of the one true almighty God, creator of heavens and earth. He knew of the God who formed and fashioned all things out of nothing. So as he led his sheep as a shepherd back in the day in his father's flocks, he knew of the one true God in his own wisdom and his own power and his own capacity, created a world and an environment that out of the sky, water would come and provide what he needed for his sheep who would provide for his family what they needed. He knew the God of the universe who, who created the land and the soil in which he would lead his flocks in that had the umpteenth millionth microscopic organism in it that would sustain the life necessary for those sheep that would sustain him. He knew of the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth and he knew that creator had committed himself to his people, redeeming them out of slavery in Egypt and pledging himself to be their God, that he would be theirs forever and that they would be his. When David starts this song, he says, this God, the Lord, the one who revealed himself personally to our people, I am Yahweh, the redeeming, saving, almighty, self-existent one. He's my shepherd. One writer said, if the Lord, the Almighty, is the proper subject of this song, the most sublime word in the entire thing has to be the word my. David didn't say the Lord is the shepherd. God's people knew of God speaking of himself as the shepherd of his people through the prophets later. He didn't say the Lord is our shepherd. No, David said the self-existent one. I am creator of heavens and earth, redeemer of his people, committed for our good and joy. He's mine. He's my shepherd. And because he's mine, David says, I shall not want. Because I know who he is, because I know him, I know what it is to be content. In many ways, this entire song is a song of contentment. Back in the 1600s, there was a pastor named Jeremiah Burroughs. He wrote a book that still endures to this day. It's called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. And in the beginning of that book, Burroughs said, I aim to only promote the one most necessary duty of a Christian, the quieting and comforting of the heart of God's people under the troubles and the changes and the charges that they meet within these heart-shaking times. He said, to be well-skilled in the mystery of Christian contentment is the duty, the glory, and the excellence of a Christian. 
Psalm 23, the song of a trustworthy shepherd is the song, is the song of a contented sheep. Everything that David is going to say hangs on the fact that because the Lord is his shepherd, he knows what it is to be content. And so as we go through this song, the question that sits in front of us is simply, can we sing David's song with him? Is David's song your song? Let's listen to the verses and let's see if it can become ours. Because he is my shepherd, I know what it is to be content. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Friends, you've got to understand something about sheep. Sheep don't lie down to rest when they're hungry. They don't eat laying down, they eat standing up. They don't lay down and rest when they're hungry. They don't lay down and rest when they're anxious or scared. If they fear for their life, if there's some kind of turmoil in the flock, if they're being frustrated by pests or bugs, if they're anxious, if they're afraid, if they're in any kind of turmoil, if they're hungry, they don't lie down. So when David says, because he is my shepherd, because he is mine, I know what it is to not need to want anything because everything that I would need, the green pastures, not a green pasture, but plural, not just one place that I can feed and get what I need, but he always is taking me to the place that I need to get what I need for my joy, for my sustenance, always taking me to get what it is I need so that I can rest. I'm not anxious. I know what it is to rest. He leads me, not in the dangers of fast-moving water that threaten to wipe me away and wash me away because I'm not smart enough to stay out of it. But he keeps me in a place of safety when the rains come. The very rains that shepherds will pray for throughout a year that will bring the green land that they can take their flocks to, that they might eat and that they might graze, is the most threatening thing in the weather for them because a sheep is not smart enough to get himself into a place of safety when a storm comes. To this day, shepherds, if they don't get their sheep to safety before a storm comes, the storm that brings the water to give the green grass, they can watch their entire flock wash away. But this shepherd, because he knows him, He's dug little channels in the ground to a reservoir or a cistern that he's already prepared. So that when he keeps his sheep pinned up in a storm, as the raging waters subside and the rains stop, those little channels have taken water to a little cistern that's still. And he can take them there. And they can get what they need. And they can rest. And they can be in peace. Sheep don't lay down and rest when they're hungry and when they're anxious. And David said, because I know him, because he's mine, I know what it is to be content. I don't want for anything because I have him. Friends, if there's anything that can describe our day and age, it's discontentment. We seem to be so anxious, so easily spooked, so outraged, so on edge, so afraid of missing out on something, 
We find ourselves spinning our wheels, trying to find this contentment in things that we can get our hands around. The homes we live in, the jobs we have, the positions we find ourselves in, the people that we surround ourselves with, we look through all these things, trying to find in them this rare jewel of contentment in an age and a day that seems so discontent with everything. And here's the real danger for us in this room. We get really good at Christianizing all of those pursuits. We get really good at telling ourselves, oh, we're only doing this so that I can be more hospitable to more people. I'm doing this for this season in my life because I want to be able to give so generously to missions down the road. Well, yes, maybe. But if we're really honest, how many times are we just trying to convince ourselves that all of those pursuits of contentment are okay. Because deep down, if we're really honest, we've begun to believe that if we can just get our hands on them for a moment, we can know a bit of what it means to be content. It's the very thing God warned his people about in Jeremiah chapter 2. When he said, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. He said, my people have the audacity to think that they can go build for themselves sources and containers of contentment, forsaking me, and then they're stupid enough like sheep to actually go out and try to do it. David says, because I know him, because I know who he is and he is mine, I know what it is to be content. I mean, this song is a song of the rare jewel of Christian contentment. A real contentment that's only found in the shepherd himself. In many ways, you can hear David saying over and over and over again in this song, I'm enjoying the Lord. He's mine. I'm his. I know him. I trust him. And because of that, I know I'll not lack for anything. Friends, this is the very thing the Apostle Paul prayed for in the church, Ephesians chapter 3. Paul said he prayed that by the work of God's Holy Spirit, you and I would know today, tomorrow, and the next day in greater and greater measures the height, the depth, the breadth, the length, the width of God's love towards us. Because in knowing him, in seeing him, in enjoying him, and knowing he's ours and we're his, we can actually know what it is to be content. Friends, where do you go to find contentment? Can you sing this song with David? Because he is my shepherd, David says, not only can I know what it is to be content, but I can know what it is to enjoy his grace. Because he is my shepherd, David goes on to say, he restores my soul. Some of your translations will say he restores my life. That word can be translated either way. See, one of the inherent dangers in leading a flock of sheep is that a sheep would wander off. They wander off all the time. That a sheep would wander off, but that wandering sheep might find itself in the position of being cast down. You ever heard about being cast down? When a sheep, for any number of reasons, his wool would get too heavy, maybe it would get matted down, it'd be wet, it'd be muddy, it'd just be awkward balance for him. When he would eat and he would lie down to ruminate, 
If he wasn't careful where he lied down, there might be a little depression or a dip in the ground. And when he lied down, he'd get off balance because of the weight of his wool, and he would tip over on his back. And a sheep would find itself on its back with its legs straight up, and a sheep can't right itself. It can't flip itself back over. A sheep will lay there on its back, its legs going crazy, bleeding like mad because it can't save itself. It can't flip itself back over. And here's the thing. If a sheep is left to lie cast down, all that food that he ate, all that ruminant in his belly, it'll begin to produce gases in his body. Those gases will swell up in his body. It'll cut off the circulation to his legs. And in a matter of hours in the hot season, that sheep will die. If it's the cold season and a sheep finds itself cast down, it can suffer like that for up to two weeks. Unless, of course, the shepherd finds it and restores its life. See, this is why you'll always hear about shepherds counting their sheep. It wasn't that a sheep might just wander off and be on the wrong hill or a sheep might wander off and get eaten by a wolf. A sheep might wander off and find itself cast down. And unless a shepherd knows it's not there and goes out to find it, that sheep leaves itself vulnerable to all the pack animals of prey, all the vultures, and its own body. And it's certain death. Unless, of course, the shepherd goes out and finds him. And when a shepherd would go out to find the sheep that was lost and he would find a sheep that was cast down, do you know what he would do? Well, first he'd have to flip him over, get him back right side up, right? But he had lost all the circulation to his lower body and his body had been bloated with gases. He would have to rub the legs of that sheep to get the circulation going again. But most of the time, he'd have to pick that sheep up, put it on his shoulders and carry it all the way back to the safety of the sheepfold. What man of you, Jesus said, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he doesn't lay it on his shoulders and rejoice. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and he says to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't think they need repentance. Do you know what it is to be stuck, spiritually speaking, upside down, unable to save yourself? Do you know what it is to find yourself cast down in soul? As one writer said, distracted by lust, chained to the love of money, ensnared by the idea of power, and pray to every spiritual pack dog of your heart. Unless, of course, the shepherd finds you. See, David can pen this verse because he'd been there. David knew intimately what it was to be cast down in soul and what it was for his shepherd to restore his life. Friends, do you know what it is to need restoration? The sheep of God's fold know what it is to be restored to life by this shepherd. Because he is my shepherd, David says, I know what it is to enjoy his grace. Can you sing this song with David? Because he is my shepherd, David goes on. He says, I don't have to live in doubt. Because he is my shepherd, David said, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
See, a good shepherd knows the right path to lead his flock on to get them to the pasture land that will provide for them what they need, to get them to the place where he's dug out those reservoirs of still water through the rains that would have destroyed them. He knows the path that will lead them in the safest route or the most direct route back to the sheep pen at night where they can sleep in peace and in safety. He knows the routes that are best for his sheep and he takes them on them because he loves them. David said his shepherd leads him in the paths that are best for his soul, best for his joy, the paths of righteousness, because he loves him, yes, but more importantly for David's assurance, his shepherd leads him in the paths of righteousness for David's deepest joy and the glory of his shepherd's name. See, this is the ground of assurance for David's heart as he begins to sing this song. The Lord that David knows as his shepherd, I am, that has revealed himself to his people, Yahweh, that committed himself to his people as their God, I am yours and you are mine. When he swore and made this promise to his people, he swore by his own name because there's nothing greater in all of the universe. David has said, all of God's shepherding work towards me, all of his leading, all of his guiding, all of his providing, all of his security, all that is the ground of my contentment in him is predicated not on my confidence in him, but in his commitment to himself. I know that he can't do anything to go against his name and his promise. I know that he could no more break his promise to me than he could sin in himself. This is a profound sense of assurance that David is talking about that leaves him in the position of being able to sing because he's mine. I don't have to live in doubt about his commitment towards me. His commitment to me as my shepherd is rooted in his commitment to his own name. So my delight in him, my satisfaction in him, my joy in him, my trust in him, my security in him, it's rooted not in the magnitude of my confidence, but it's rooted in the depth of his grace. Because he's mine, and I know him. I know for his name's sake, which he can never leave, which he can never violate, he'll always lead me in the paths that are best for my joy. Because he is mine, Because the Lord is my shepherd. David says in verse 4, I I don't have to live my life in fear. Boy, are we not a fearful people. How much of our outrage and how much of our anxiousness and how much of our insecurity is simply just rooted in fear. David said, because the Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a couple of ways that this gets translated. Some of you may have translations that say, even though I'll walk through the darkest valley, it's because in Hebrew all the letters were written, all the words were written with consonants and then vowels were different marks that were put in and you could put the vowels in different places and depending on where you put the vowel, you would either get darkest valley or valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't really change the meaning. The reality of it is, and I didn't understand this until I first started to really study Psalm 23 a few years ago, and there are so many books written about Psalm 23. 
More has probably been written about Psalm 23 than any other psalm. But I didn't realize until I read a few years ago that in David's day in particular, it's not really the same now in, in shepherding in the Middle East, but in David's day in particular, the valleys were actually the most dangerous places. I naturally think valley, that's where the water is, that's where the vegetation is, that's where you go. But the valleys were the most dangerous places. Why? Because that's where everybody else was. When they would cut paths for the armies, when they would cut paths for the chariots, they were in the valleys. The predatory animals, they were in the valleys. The thieves and the robbers, they were in the valleys. But guess what else was in the valley? Most of the water. So there were times you had to go into the valleys. And David said, even though I find myself in the darkest of valleys, Hillside so high, there's not much light coming through. I can't really see what's around the corner. Could be a lion, could be a wolf, could be a predator. I don't know. Even though I can't see where I'm going and I have every reason to be afraid. I am in the most insecure, unstable position as a sheep that I could be in. And I have every reason to be afraid. Even though I'm in the darkest of valleys, I don't have to fear. Even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm in the place where death itself is imminent and in front of me. I don't have to fear. Why? Why does David say he doesn't have to fear? Because you're with me. You see, just the presence of his shepherd amongst the flock brings a particular stillness and peace to the heart of the sheep. Just because you're with me. David says, I find myself in the darkest of valleys, imminent danger around me, imminent death in front of me, no way to defend myself, vulnerable to everything around me. I don't know what's around the corner. I have every reason to be afraid. But guess what I can see? I can see the shepherd. And I know him. I can see hanging on his belt that rod, that short stick. I've seen it so many times. I've seen him use it when that wolf came around the corner last time that we were drinking. I've seen him beat back that animal that was trying to get us. I felt that rod. I was causing all kinds of trouble amidst the flocks of people that sheep couldn't eat. I felt that rod bring me back into line. It hurt, but it was for my good. I see that shepherd. I know him. I see that rod. I see that staff. That thing that's always kept him upright. That thing that's always helped him lead us where we were going. That thing with the hook on the end that when we would wander on the edge of an unsafe place, he'd grab us and pull us back with it. I see him. I know him. I see his rod. I see his staff. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid because I know him. And he's mine. And I'm his. And he's for me. Friend, do you know this peace? You know, the saints of old used to write a lot of books about death. How Christians in particular die with a unique hope and contentment in their heart. We can't talk about death these days. That's one of those two or three topics that you're just not supposed to talk about. And even in the church, we create new languages for it. That person has been promoted. That person's passed on. That person's gone home. That person died. And the saints of old knew one thing was consistent amongst everybody. Marriage wasn't a promise consistent. 
Family wasn't a promise consistent. Financial prosperity and well-being wasn't a promise consistent. But amongst God's people and everyone else around them, they knew one thing was certain. Everyone was going to die. So they wrote book after book about what it was, meant, what it was like to die as a follower of Jesus. In such a way, they were looking at a world around them saying, come watch us die. Come see this rarest jewel of contentment and peace. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valleys when I have every reason to be afraid, every reason to wonder what's going to happen, I don't have to be afraid because I know him. He's mine and I'm his. Many of you have have walked a long stretch with a family member or a friend who was suffering, who ended up dying. You spent many hours in a hospital with them. You got them meals. You got them food. You got them clothes. You did everything you could for that person that you loved. You went with them all the way to the end, but you couldn't go with them through that valley. There's only one shepherd that can go with you into that valley. There's only one shepherd that can take you through that darkest valley of death. And I will tell you, friends, if you do not know him as yours by that day, you will have to go there alone. Your friends can't go with you. Your stuff can't go with you. Your favorite songs can't go with you. There's one shepherd that can go with you. And David said, because he's mine, Because I'm his, because I know him, even in that valley, I don't have to be afraid. Because he's with me. Not just that. This shepherd prepares for me a table in the presence of my enemies. Dark valleys. The shadow of death. Imminent danger, abounding. Enemies of the flock. And David said, even in their presence, I know what it is to be safe. Because my shepherd goes ahead of me. A wise shepherd will at times leave his flock with his under-shepherds. And he knows in his mind where he's going next because he knows the general weather patterns. He can see what's happening. And he knows that from this place to this place is the most direct route to the next land of green pastures that I can get my sheep to. So he goes ahead of them. And he goes ahead of them because there are particular weeds that will grow in the wilderness that the sheep are too stupid to not eat. But if they eat, they'll poison themselves to death. So he goes ahead of them and he pulls the weeds from the places he's going to take them. He removes the rocks from the particular places that would keep them from getting to some of that green grass they need to eat. Those pools that would have gathered after the rains that would have brought the green grass. If no one's been there yet, he'll have to pull the sticks and the rocks and the debris out so that when they get there, it'll be clean and still for them. David said, even in the presence of my enemies as he's prepared everything that I need for me and I can eat with safety, I can eat with peace, I can eat and lie down with security because though that wolf is sitting there behind that rock watching me, waiting, I know he's watching that wolf. And he's done everything for me to protect me. He's done everything for me to protect me from the things that want to hurt me. You anoint my head with oil, David said. 
people often think, and they may be right, that he's changed metaphors here, but I don't think he has to change metaphors here. Remember, sheep won't eat and they won't rest if they're irritated. Sheep have to deal with all kinds of bugs and lice. And there's one particular critter called a nose fly. A nose fly will take root in the nostril of a sheep and it'll lay its eggs. And when its eggs hatch and the larvae hatch, the nose flies grow up into the nostrils into the head of a sheep. It will become so irritating that they can't eat. They'll shake their head. They'll look for anything around them to rub their face against. They'll tear their faces and their noses up trying to deal with it. They'll beat their head against things. So a wise shepherd knows how to protect his sheep from the things that seek to hurt it. So a shepherd would have had to have been skilled back then in being able to take a, an ointment of olive oil with particular herbs and sulfur. It depends on what region you were in. Different herbs and sulfur steeped in that oil. And you have to apply it to the faces, the nose, and the nostril of the sheep so they wouldn't be susceptible to things like nose flies so that they could eat in peace and lie down and rest. He would protect them from the very things that sought to hurt them. So much so, David said, in all of these things, my cup, it overflows. I'm satisfied. I'm triumphant because of my shepherd. I'm satisfied. I'm full. I'm at peace. I'm secure. I'm not doubting. I'm not afraid. I'm comfortable because of him. Because he's mine. It's as though Psalm 23 is preparing us for what we've already seen the last few weeks in Romans 8. If God is for me, if he's my shepherd, if he's mine, who could be against me? If he's my shepherd, David seems to be saying, what can a nose fly? Darkest valley, pack of wolves, rocky ground, rainy storm, if he's my shepherd, who can be against me? My cup overflows. Because he is my shepherd, I can know true joy. Surely, David says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because I know him, because I know what he's like. I know that no matter how often I wander, and David knew what it was like to be a sheep, how prone even his own heart was to wander. No matter how often I continue to wander, his steadfast promised grace will pursue me. Not just tag along and follow me, that's not what that follow is. This follow is the follow of pursuit. It's like chasing. I'm following somebody. I'm pursuing them. His steadfast love and grace, his promised mercy to his people, pledged upon the security of his own name and his own glory, it will pursue me all the days of my life, now and forever. This is what David is saying. I can't wait till heaven. I hope in eternity we get to hear David sing this because I definitely want to hear the inflection in his voice when he gets to this last line. I mean, after singing verse after verse about the trustworthiness of God as his shepherd, the song of contentment in his heart because this is his shepherd, David says, I get to dwell in the house of my shepherd. I am the self-existent, redeeming one. 
I get to be with him forever. Scholars and, and shepherds who have written about Psalm 23, they say that there is a capacity in the flock of sheep for a particular kind, it's hard to explain, they say, a particular kind of stillness and peace to come into a flock when their shepherd comes with them. They can look calm, they can look steady, but when their shepherd shows up and comes amongst them, there's a whole different kind of contentment that settles on the flock. If a sheep could, could talk and articulate its highest good, its highest good would to be with its shepherd. And David says, I get to be with him forever. In his presence, David will say elsewhere, there's fullness of joy. Friends, is the Lord your shepherd? See, even after David wrote this song, God continued to demonstrate his skill and his care and his patience and his mercy and his steadfastness to his people Israel for generations. He continued, as the prophets would say, to be the shepherd of his people doing for his people everything that David was singing about that he knew to be true of his own life in the Lord. But God would go on to demonstrate the fullness of his care, the fullness of his mercy, the fullness of his patience, the fullness of his shepherding commitment in his son. See, Psalm 23 is not the end of the song for us. We live on this side of the cross so that we really have an extra verse that we could sing in Psalm 23 because we have seen the fullness of God as our shepherd most clearly in Jesus. I mean, how can you and I know for sure that the steadfast love and mercy of God will pursue us for eternity? I mean, how can we know for sure? How can we actually be certain that there is nothing that you and I have to fear? That in the darkest of valleys, in the imminent face of death, we don't have to be afraid. How can we actually be certain that this shepherd is the ground spring, is the foundation, is the source of our ultimate contentment and joy and satisfaction? Well, in John chapter 10, Jesus does something that utterly irritates, angers, and confounds his enemies. For 18 verses in John chapter 10, Jesus takes this picture that Israel had had for centuries of God promising to be theirs, to shepherd them, to be the shepherd of his people. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. That's me. John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who doesn't own the sheep. He sees a wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold, but I, I have to bring them in also. And they'll hear my voice and listen so there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay my life down that I might take it up again. No one takes my life from me, but 
but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This is the charge I received from my father. I mean, how can you be certain that David's song in Psalm 23 can actually be your song now and forever? Well, five times D Jesus says you can be certain because he is the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. The way that you and I can know the eternal joy and peace and security and contentment and steadfast love and grace of God forever is because our good shepherd laid down his life for us. He laid it down of his own accord and then he picked it back up again, defeating death itself in our place. This is how we know the song of the committed shepherd can be our song for eternity. And in John chapter 10, right before Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, I am, I am, took God's revealed name upon himself and said, that's me. Right before he said that, there's one way, Jesus said, you can actually come into this kind of security, this kind of contentment, this kind of peace. The only way to know it, he said, is through me. You either enter through me or you don't enter at all. In John chapter 10, right before he said he was the good shepherd, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And his sheep come as they hear his voice. I am the good shepherd. Can you sing David's song with him? Jesus himself said there's going to be more joy in heaven over one sinner that recognizes the fact that he's cast down, unable to save himself. One sinner that hears the voice of his shepherd and that repents than of 99 people who think they don't need to. I am the good shepherd he's calling can you sing with david jesus is my shepherd the more we see him the more we enjoy him the more we enjoy him the more we can sing with david because he is my shepherd i know i'll never lack anything do you know this contentment? This is the true, rare jewel of Christian contentment that's found in knowing Jesus as your shepherd. May God make David's song your song this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and then together we are going to respond to God's word. We're going to respond by reflecting on this song in a couple of minutes of silence and prayer. And then for those who have heard the voice of the Good Shepherd calling, who in faith have responded, repented of their sins, believed upon Jesus, who know of his steadfast love and mercy, we're going to remember the Good Shepherd who laid down his life and took it back up again as we receive communion this morning, remembering his body broken, his blood shed. And then we're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to make much of him as he sends us out this morning. Sheep of his pastures and his flock. So let me pray as we lead us into reflection this morning. Father, we thank you that even in the most beautiful reflections of creativity and song, 
you reveal to us truth about who you are and who we are. It takes an absolute miracle of your Holy Spirit for us to be able to sing with David that we know you. We're yours. You're ours. And because we know you, we know what it is to be satisfied. Lord, this is what we want. We want to be a people who are increasingly satisfied in you, who see you and enjoy you more deeply every single day, that our lives might reflect to a watching world that rarest of jewels, that rare jewel of true contentment in you. God, help us by your grace and the work of your spirit to hear your voice calling, to see, to see your son as our good shepherd in the come. We ask that you would do that this morning in his name. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Robert Green given at Redemption Hill Church in Richmond, Virginia. For more information on the church and to hear other messages, please visit us online at www.redemptionhill.com.